this is a great time to be talking about what we are doing in the world. I have Randy McCallion who's running for office. And um, I'm just in awe because I'm a big West Wing fan. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, I would like to believe that I could be as fast and witty as those people on that show. But here you are. You are going into the thick of things. And Randy, um, I'm so glad we met at um, that event that is supporting women running for office. And I just want you to take this opportunity with um, all the media cameras aside to talk about your reason for wanting to get into politics. Start with who you are, where you came from, who your kids, you know, how many kids you have and all that kind of stuff. And um, we're going to talk about what birthed this dream. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. I, uh, yeah, I love the West Wing as well. And I hope one day to be able to speak as quickly and uh, professionally as they do. <laughs> so my background, I grew up in a really large blended family. I'm an army brat. Both my mom and my dad were in the army. And my mom retired a little while after having her first two kids. My family, I uh, was divorced a few times. We grew bigger and bigger, taking on more and more children into the family. So at times I ended up with, I think, nine siblings. And most of them I'm still very close to, even though on paper, you know, they'd say they're not my sibling. They absolutely are. And uh, I was born in Maryland and my brother in D.C., but we moved to Colorado when I was about four or five years old wow. and I've lived here ever since except for college I went to Iowa and then came right back to Colorado and yeah. then I went away for grad school in Florida and came right back to Colorado yeah <laughs> sounds like a trend yes I love this state you are a virtual native I that's right always wanting to be here and uh, I met my husband in grad school and he's from the south and we both just really wanted to come back here to Colorado too and ended up in Colorado Springs because my dad lived here growing up a few times and I just absolutely love the people, the environment, the mountain. Oh, our mountain's just right there. Uh -huh. And uh, it makes me feel small, which kind of helps when the world feels too big, you know, when the weight of the issues feel too big. Oh, oh that gave me a warm feeling in my heart. I love that. <laughs> So I have two kids um, with my husband, Chase, and uh, two little girls, oh. Izzy and Lily. Yeah, and they are so, they've taught me so much. I bet. <laughs> and I have so much to learn. Uh, they have so much energy and excitement for the world, and it's good to have that. I get a little too involved or wrapped up sometimes in what I see that scares me for them. Yeah. And, you know, some of the reasons I'm running that we'll talk about and just some of those things that intimidate me about the world right now. And then I see how excited they are for life. Yeah. And it gives me even more reason to make good. this place good for them. There is a kind of a, a death of a vision, isn't there? When you have your children and you realize that the world that they're growing up in is very different than the world where we ran <sighs> for six hours a day. That's right. We're checking in with our parents. It's different. Yeah, what they see, you know, my daughter will wake up and, do we have school today? That's what she's, that's what she worries about, you know? <laughs> so, It's yeah. nice to have such a simple life. 
Well, even as a working person, I woke up today and said, everything's canceled, right? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are still working, right? Yeah, but at least we're working at home. And despite the fact that I have makeup on and a sweater, I'm in my jammies from here down. I am also in my pajama pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about technology. So. I like it as well. Yes, I have really enjoyed uh being able to connect with people in this way. I used to direct a program where I worked with a lot of my staff online and I, I think it's so important that we can do this. Yeah. And I am still dismayed at how rarely we use this technology where we need it. Yeah. One example would be a, our, one of our state senators literally just had a baby a few weeks ago right. and they won't let her call in during her maternity leave. And so she's to go in with her baby on unpaid maternity leave. And I'm kind of like, what about the technologies we have, you guys? <laughs> That's crazy. Let's adapt, you know? I think the world is changing. And the more we step up, like you are, I think the faster it's going to change. Um, we, I just came from a, a, an HR meeting this week where we were talking about how we're disrupting the industry because <laughs> the workplace is demanding a new set of rules. And I think that's going to apply in more than just the workplace. We're just talking about people in general deciding that we're not going to be patient or tolerant of things that we've put up with in the past, thinking that they are the ones who make all the decisions. Actually, we are the ones who make the decisions, which is why I want you to get to tell why you decided to run for office. So give us this, the, the scope of your work background and what motivated you to step into politics. Yes, that's so perfect. I'm going to start just by saying that uh, from what you said, you know, that we're, we're stepping forward and we want to see things change. We're not going to take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think a piece of that came from somewhere for me where I just sort of like realized, wait, if I'm so angry at the way some things are, you know, angry at my government and I was angry, yes, but I also see a lot of other people angry, right? And so watching this, and I just kind of went, wait, this is our government. This is my government. I own it. It was set up for me to own it. I pay for it. You pay for it. If we're frustrated with it, we own it. Change uh -huh. it. Change it. We have that power. Um, okay, so I'll back up real quick. I have not always had a dream, per se, to be political. My dream generally has always been to help people uh -huh. to make people feel welcomed and loved i've you know i think a part of that probably came from being the oldest of countless siblings uh throughout my childhood yeah and seeing how different everyone's needs are and that they're all valid yeah and that our needs come from different places and that we you know, when our needs are met, we function better and we all have fun together. And I really saw that, I think, growing up. And I was a Girl Scout too, so I spent a lot of time with younger children in both capacities. And just really seeing that we can fulfill those needs and make people happy. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. um, I have a background in maternal and child health. I've always been really kind of obsessed with babies and sort of thought at first that that's because I wanted to be a mom and started realizing that most people didn't have that kind of obsession with where does our health come from, what happens in pregnancy. And I started learning more as I grew about um, 
birth, about motherhood. And so I had a couple cousins that are older than me and they had some birth experiences when I was in, in my teen years that really kind of shook me. Mm. One of my cousins is pretty petite and she had to have a C-section to have her baby. And the way that she said it to me at, you know, seven, 16, 17 years old was that she was told she was too small. She couldn't have her baby and she needed a C-section. And I just remember at that age feeling suddenly terrified that yeah. I was going to have to have this major surgery to have babies someday and there's just no way. And that really set me on my path to start learning for myself, which very quickly taught me how our maternity care system is failing most women and children. And that really set me on my path to be like, wait, this isn't okay. There are solutions to this. And why aren't more people speaking up? That's true. You know, it never occurred to me. Um, I've always um, given, always, all three times, given <laughs> the, the, the regular way. And I thought that some people might really have hips that are too narrow, but you're saying that, that it's actually possible to do some things that actually open up that, that hip. Totally. And, and, you know, medical interventions, important C-sections do save lives, but we sort of went over the hill to the other side of the spectrum where we over medicalized things. We took away women's power to give birth with support. Mm -hmm. um, and we really just turned it into technology and we lost the woman's mental health, her emotional health, respecting her. Um, and a, a piece of that, if we talked legislative sort of is, is midwives. Mm -hmm. We really need to get back to a respectful model of care that protects both the baby and the mother. And there are so many ways that we can help women give birth in a more supportive environment that isn't just, well, your body failed or it's going to fail. We're not even going to give you a chance. Let's just have a C-section. Um, right. Yeah. So that, that started it. And then I spent over a decade now working with families um, in intimate settings so that started with working with kids with autism. Mm -hmm. And in college, I was very in, interested in that developmental, you know, uh, psychology and biology and, and started working with kids with autism in their home and then went into a clinic setting at one point and transitioned then to early Head Start and Head Start, started working with pregnant families in their home and families with young children and really started witnessing how hard families are working to do the absolute best they can and how many structural barriers are in place to us being able to be successful in raising healthy, happy children and families. One of those, for example, would be our lack of support after a family has a baby or adopts a baby. So paid family leave is, you know, what we generally talk about that as. We have one-fourth of our women, our moms, our birthing people, one-fourth of those go back to work within two weeks of having a baby. Oh, my goodness. One-third of birthing people have a C-section. So we are sending a huge chunk of people back into the workforce who just had a human <laughs> and they just had major surgery their mental health has changed forever. You know, you've become a parent. You're yeah. different forever. Right. And you also just had a human who is fully reliant on you, barely knows that they were born, and needs to be connected to another person at all times. And then we're separating that baby from the mother at two weeks. It's just learning these things and seeing how many 
physical disorders, mental disorders, things that people are struggling with in our population. And I really just saw how so much of this is starting at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many personality traits, you know, from a coaching perspective, using psychometric instruments, we talk about your personality, whether it's hardwired or learned. And honestly, on top of the things that are hardwired in us, so much that happens to us in our first seven years indicates the lens through which we see life and yes. how we start responding to people. Isn't that true? Yes, so true. Yes. And, you know, I really never blame families or individuals for the things that they suffer through because I truly see systemically how we aren't supporting people on a neighborhood, family, community, you know, city, state level, we really haven't built society in the way that I envision being truly supportive for families and children, which is therefore supportive of everyone. Mm -hmm. Because some of our most vulnerable people are new babies and new families with those tiny children. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, one of my kids is five and it doesn't really get a lot easier, it changes. And I hear from one of my friends with teenagers how much of a struggle that is. And it just keeps showing me like we're really not doing a good job at preventing the issues that we see later in life, you know? Absolutely. I can assure you, Randy, as a mother of teenagers, actually one who's actually <laughs> in her 20s now, it can be a beautiful time. It can be your favorite time. And I think we have to prepare for that and we have to tell ourselves teenagers are fun. We, it's a matter of how you prepare yourself. And, and I think parents need training as much as kids do in terms of That's how true. to react with emotional resiliency, a little bit of self-regulation. Yes. No, <laughs> I so agree with you. Yeah. I think it's, our focus became too much on the economy, productivity, what you do outside the home. And I think a big piece of why that happened is that we didn't have women, you know, who were, I say women, because it's generally women that have been doing the household work and raising the children more, yeah. you know, not at all to disrespect the work that fathers do or anything, but to just, my husband was stay at home dad for three years. Yes. Yes. Years exactly. So, you know, I, I speak very broadly. I also come from a public health background. And so sometimes I do that, but I have a lot of experience, you know, intimately right there with families where I, I have those stories too. So on a broad level, what I see is that women were absent far too much from the building of our economy, from the decision-making about what kind of things we would be measuring. You know, we don't really measure quality of life, but we measure how many people have a job. Mm -hmm. But we don't necessarily say how many people have multiple jobs, mm -hmm. right? We don't talk enough about wages. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so the things that we're measuring were set up by the group of people that first set it up. And that tended to be men with privilege. And that's where I see if we want a revolution, if we want things to change, if we're frustrated with so much right now, this is our government. We own it. We pay for it. We need to make it what we want. And I want to see a government that pulls in more perspectives than we've generally had yeah. so that we can be representing people with these backgrounds, like you just said, right? That mm -hmm. not over-focusing on things that make the money or build Wall Street, 
or build a corporation, but focusing on the things that build strong people so that they can build good businesses, healthy children so that our suicide rate isn't going up. Those that, yeah, yeah, I got a lot of passion for it. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, we've got to build up the people. Those are the, the, the humans are the ones who make the business, whatever business you have the humans who are employed in your business are the ones who talk to the customers. Yes. I say that all the time. I'm like, you won't have businesses in 20 years when everyone has a mental health disorder and a physical disease. And well, we can sit and nurture our physical and mental disorders all day long. (laughs) The whole reason I started this coaching program that I do now is to help people realize you can flip that mindset. You can get back into what you were made to do. You're not stuck in a disease. In fact, my, my sister struggled with a disease and, and she said something one day about my diverticulitis. And I said, do you really want to own that? You talk about it like it's a pet, (laughs) you know, but we talk about depression and anxiety and migraines and all kinds of disorders that we don't need to own. So I'm excited about your health approach and the education that's going to come with this in your campaign. Let's um, uh, just to, to bring the elephant into the room, (laughs) no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) What specifically are you running for and what are the hurdles that you face in the next couple of months? Yeah. Thank you for, for bringing that up. Cause I'm sure some people would be like, she never even said. <laughs> so I'm running for our Colorado state legislature. Mm-hmm. And let me describe that for a second. Cause I've learned more how disconnected we are with what our government looks like and how civically engaged we can be in shaping it. So mm-hmm. everybody knows we have a federal government. We've got president, Senate and house. We have that same setup in smaller levels throughout the country. So our state has a governor, and then we have a state senate and a state house. And they work on legislation for the state of Colorado, mm-hmm. which much of that can be very similar to a federal level. And you know, states can make laws, for example, great one, <laughs> where Colorado Uh, compared to the federal level, would be on cannabis, on marijuana. Mm -hmm. And the legalization in Colorado of cannabis versus the federal government still classifying it as a level one uh, drug. So there's kind of where we can see some differences or what Colorado state legislature is able to do. Uh, You know, we just expanded kindergarten, all day kindergarten across the state for children. So that's another example of what we can do here in Colorado if we're trying to make this, you know, better for the people of our state and trying to show the nation how we can lead. Um, Okay, so I'm running for our state Senate. District 10. District 10 is in Colorado Springs and kind of roughly from I-25 to Mark Shuffle and from the North End, Briargate Parkway down to about Constitution Ave on the bottom. So it's actually kind of a small district geographically because it's very suburban. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, what else did you ask me that I didn't touch on? The gates that you have in front of you, you have um, the county commission April. Yes. So I, everyone should know that we have our presidential primary coming up and then we have a caucus on March 7th. 
Uh, those things all sound very confusing and we just witnessed Iowa's debacle. So they are confusing and a lot of people are looking to change that. And this is a good time to get involved to see things be um, more accessible for everyone. Yeah. I will be going on the ballot April for county convention, so county assembly. So our county will get together and anyone is welcome at this as well. And I will get on the ballot there. And then in June, I will have my primary. So everyone's ballots will be mailed to them in June and you will get to vote for me as your Dem candidate mm -hmm. on the June ballot. And the biggest election for me is the November one. And that's mm -hmm. where I will be up against my Republican opponent who is a career politician here in Colorado. Uh, from Colorado Springs, and he's uh, quite a bit older. I feel rather disconnected from the issues that I see are very important to my generation, the generation older than me, and those younger than me, right? So climate change is a huge one that a lot of people are concerned about. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, you're concerned uh, all the way for, you know, extinction rebellion kind of kind of level, or even just concerned that we're not making a transition fast enough to you know, better infrastructure and, and uh, sustainable energy practices and better agriculture and farming practices. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just don't think my opponent's up on those. So, uh, yeah. So you've got probably some, some people who are rallying for uh, change in those categories. We really do. The grassroots work down here has really been impressive. All my, all the people in my campaign are volunteers. I have a few old friends from, I have a, friend from sixth grade we were best friends for many many years and she's my campaign finance manager now she was not political at all wanted nothing to do with it but since the since sixth grade I've been pulling her into adventures and she came along for this one too <laughs> that's great well you need someone you can trust that's really the most important thing right absolutely and she's a stay-at-home mom right now which is one of my roles as well and I uh I think sometimes as stay-at-home moms, we really feel left out and alone, mm -hmm. and there's not much that we can do to contribute when in reality we're doing the most important work. Yeah, you're the rally cry. I bet there are a lot of stay-at-home moms in your district, just thinking there are. people I know in that area. Yep, and we're trying to get them engaged in the campaign, giving them things to do to help them see they have a voice and they really matter. Getting them involved. And your district has yet to elect a woman, and I think there are many districts like that. I know from my um, perspective coaching women in business, there are actual statistics. People are keeping track of the fact that companies with women in top leadership are seeing higher revenues. Yes. Are, have you seen similar trends with changes in um, getting women into elected positions? Well, specifically on what you just spoke about with revenue, that's, I love that we see that in a business model. When it comes to politics, though, what we've seen so far is women have a harder time raising as much money as men. Mm -hmm. A piece of that is that, in general, women haven't really been taught to ask for money, to feel that they deserve money. Mm -hmm. We know business-wise that women don't ask for raises as often as men do, that they're not as bold in that ask. Mm -hmm. And so we do see women candidates being funded less. They get less massive donations than men. So I do think that's kind of the, uh, the two part, like I was saying, the fear of asking and people giving less money to women candidates. Um, but what I have seen that's 
very positive is the organizing that women do. And they are really organizing people from a truly grassroots level. People that haven't been called to politics or felt like they were a part of the system. Mm -hmm. A lot of women running for office, a lot of the campaigns I'm seeing are really speaking to those people because it's the same people in a sense, right? As women, we felt left out of the system and we're pulling in other people who felt left out as well. Nice. Uh, that alone is a real huge change. You know, yeah. for, for people who feel voiceless. I just interviewed a woman yesterday who feels like as a woman over 50, she feels like she doesn't have a voice anymore. No longer does she reign in the household. Her kids are adults and they have their own lives. She doesn't have a domain to protect. And in the workplace, she's being replaced by younger women. So yeah, it's I hear really that. important to give women a chance to have their voice. Yeah, especially, you know, I, I uh, really value all people, definitely. And I value older women a lot. I've always looked up to, you know, the older woman with white hair who's so wise and not wise in a sense that she's always calm and peaceful, right? Yeah. She knows when to use her power and her anger, her pain. She also knows how to lift people up. Yeah. It really seemed to me growing up that older women had discovered how to be in their power. Right, right. You know, I, I think it's a, an assumption that some of us make that all of us learn how to claim our power yeah, as we mature. True. And some don't really realize how to grasp hold of that. That's why I'm here, of course, as a coach to help them find that. But um, I, I really do think we have to be released into our gifts in order for the world to really um, get the kind of change that we all envision. So I agree. I agree. I really think all people bring something to the table and I've always felt that way. And my uh, background is in a lot of the things we talked about, but I went to grad school for public health. So my master's degree is in public health. And a big part of that degree that really resonated with me was how much we've left the communities that are impacted by policy or the people that are impacted by policy or you know, in public health, the programs that we make, the research that we do, that so much of this was done without the input of the people that it was for or about. And that really resonated with me in my master's degree. And so that's something that's important to me in running for office is making sure that the voices of those being impacted or, or left out of the process, whatever it is that's happening, that they are at the table, that mm -hmm. they're heard. Absolutely. Um, that's a part of the reason why we got to where we are with maternity care. We, we gave the medical male community yeah. too much power over it and they took it. I mean, it's not like we handed it over fully. Oh, and they help, help. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there were, I mean, if you, if anyone's interested in this Googling um, smear campaigns of midwives, it was awful. The things that they did to, take midwives out of power to destroy their name in their communities and to bring the birthing women into the hospital and into medical care and wow. um, brutal and awful. And we need to take that back. Yeah. It's like a witch hunt. Yes. Wow. <laughs> kind of literally. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, there's a lot of um, fear is just an indicator of lack of knowledge. Um, and I don't mean 
ignorance. I just mean a lack of access to the truth. Yes. I can so agree with that. Yeah. For us to start speaking up. So um, this is a critical question for life strategy design. We're going over my usual time a little bit because really I'm such a talker, Donna. <laughs> a good well, I keep asking more questions. Um, it's got to be whole, hard um, with two young kids and a very demanding cat to, um, to really hold it all together, to have the energy, the resilience, the mental clarity, the emotional um, harmony to continue this race. And it's only going to get harder. So how do you maintain your own health and wellness in this whole process? That is such a good question. I, um, I've had to relearn how to do that since I've become a mom. So I was really good at self-care. I, you know, knowing who I am and what I need. Uh, and then when I became a mom, all that shifted a lot. So I, it may surprise you, but I'm a pretty big introvert. I really love my time alone. Yeah, me too. And that is one thing that I don't get much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Home is not this quiet place where I'm alone anymore. Um, so it shifted for me and I've started learning how to fill my cup in different ways. And to be completely honest, running for office, my campaign has been filling my cup and it was me needing to do something yeah. that kept pushing me further and further into this. And I really didn't know that I was going to run for office for sure until about a year, a little over a year ago, uh, was when I made the decision that I was going to do it. So it's really filled my cup. I feel productive. I feel um, like I'm helping people yeah. and making a change in the sense that I'm finally vocalizing what has been so important to me for so long. And I'm vocalizing it in a space that has a platform now. And, you know, whereas I used to talk to people a lot one-on-one -on -one and do little things you know, it's, it's, I think truly Donna, it's being able to speak about what matters to you and not feeling like you have to be quiet about it anymore. Right. Right. Cause that, that just, it, it creates disease in your body to have to yeah. hold that in. So yes. good for your soul. <laughs> I know. I still want my baths and I'd love to be able to sew again, <laughs> but I recognize that, um, those things will come again. You know, yeah. this time with the youngest of kids is the most, uh, the hardest with them always needing you, you know? Absolutely. And yet we, it's good to be needed because believe me, when they're older and they all have a driver's license, they don't need you as much anymore. And you're like, please call me. <laughs> I'm here. Do you want to watch a movie? <laughs> so think of me every time your kids want you. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. Yeah, I do. And I take that advice. I hear so many moms, parents say, grandparents say, you'll miss it. And so when I'm overwhelmed and they're both sitting on me for seven hours straight and wiggling and all, I take that deep breath and I pull them in and I kiss their heads and I'm just like, they say I'll miss this. So yeah. I'm going to hold on to it for a minute. And that's the key, Randy. When people ask me how my girls turn out to be so great, because they were very, well, some of them still are very responsible, resilient teenagers and not prototypical in any sense. And they asked me, what did I do? And I said, I kissed them a lot. <laughs> Yes. I hug and I kiss and I say, I'm sorry when I yell at them. And, um, we just have a real honest relationship and there's just a whole lot of love in this house. So you're doing it. You're doing it right. 
Thank you, Donna. It's hard to know what to do as a parent. And I know every parent out there feels that. Well, and uh, and I'm here to say that your feelings are valid. It's really hard. Yeah. And, uh, but we're doing it. Yeah. The instincts are really in there. Sometimes we need a little help pulling them out. But, That's right. And a little more sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sleep solves a whole lot of things in a good run, you know, right. or, or elliptical or whatever you do. Some ice cream, yeah. a glass of wine. <laughs> well, yeah. The wine is always good. I always say get the exercise first. <laughs> Isn't the, the thing on your elliptical for your wine? Oh, uh, the little holder. The little cup holder? That's for your <laughs> wine, right? <laughs> uh, that sounds like something. You, you have no idea. I run um, leadership development retreats for women that are all wine themed. So there's a lot of wine in my curriculum. <laughs> that sounds really awesome. But there's also balance. There's uh, self-control, regulation, all that. I, I don't want to lose you know, yeah. focus here. But speaking of focus, if somebody says, I like this girl, I want to donate to her campaign or volunteer for her campaign or just encourage her. How do they get a hold of you? Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. So my website is www.randy, R-A-N-D-I, for, F-O-R, Colorado.com. So Randy for Colorado.com. And then I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And my handle is at Randy for CO. And so you spell out for. For CO. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes so people can find it there. Thank Facebook, you, Donna. Instagram and Twitter. And um, we'll be checking in to find out how things are going. I'm excited for your, your brave endeavor. Thank you. Thank you. And I know we talked a lot about families. I care very deeply about healthcare, climate, uh, families, prevention, public health. So reach out and um, let me know what's important to you and if you want to get involved. And Donna, thank you so much. This has been really awesome. Good. I'm glad you had fun. You got another interview under your belt. Have a great day. Thank you, Donna. You too. Okay, bye. Bye.